Welcome once again to another exciting episode on BM Live TV. And today I'm privileged to have uh, a very interesting guest in our midst. Uh, and I'm looking forward to, you know, just having a candid conversation on a number of things. Uh, my name is Thomas Pesige, and I'm your show host, and I'm excited to be here once again, bringing you another interesting, exciting conversation. Uh, welcome, Mr. Wataba. Thank you. So it's a blessing to be here. I mean, I've been wanting to be on this show for a while. Yes. So I'm glad to be here. Wonderful. Uh, so, Mr. Wataba, is that the only name you have? My name is Ngonzi, the solution Wataba. I'm called the solution because I have answers to questions, and I'm hoping you have questions for me today. <laughs> well, yes. there's some exciting questions that are definitely going to be here. Uh, but for starters, maybe you can tell us who uh, Wataba Ngonzi, the solution is, and how you actually arrived at being called the solution, or how do you call yourself the solution? Just like you say, you have. Uh, answers to questions that you know most people may not have answers to. But how how did you come to that point to you know to be able to get those? But before we get into all that, uh, just tell us uh, about you. Um, I also know that you've started a number of ventures. Tell us about those ventures and where they are at, and then we'll get into the rest of it. So I think the easiest way to talk about how I came to be is. A story about the time I think I was about two years of age. You know those passion foods, the hard passion foods? Yes, I think I know them. They're like wild. Yes, they're very hard. Yeah. And uh, so my mother brings these passion foods home. And after a short while, she notices that the passion foods are running out real quick. But at home, it was just the maid and me. So one day she comes and she begins to really lambast the maid. Why are you eating the passion foods for the kids? And, and you know these things, and the baby's like, no, I'm not the one, I don't know what's happening to them. So one afternoon, they were at home, they were sleeping, only to hear the door opening, closing, opening and closing. So my mom tells me that she walked to the kitchen and found me getting a passion food, putting it in the hinge of the door, and closing the door to crack the passion food and opening and then that's how I was eating the passion food, and she was shocked that a three-year-old would do that. And from then on, that's how they break those hard passion foods. So basically, that means that ever since I was a child, I'm the person who is looking for better ways to do things, to improve things. And besides that, God has blessed me with the ability to have answers for people that are in need of good answers. So I am a growth coach. That is what I do. Everything I do is to bring people to a place of improvement, to bring them to a place of growth, could be in business, could be in work, in career, in marriage. I'm all about seeing things improve. So you're all around us. So we could say that you are you're a genius. I've been called that. I've been called that, to be honest, and uh, I believe that I'm gifted. I believe that's the right one. You are gifted. Uh, so, as we go on, maybe perhaps you could tell us could you say that your mother is your strongest influence, or um, basically tell us who the, strong, the strongest influences have been in your life up until now? Uh, the things that my mother has said to me over the years have definitely set me up. One of the things that she said to me when I was growing up, she said, um, my son, I brought you up in so much for you to be an ordinary man. 
an ordinary man is born to live and die the no one can. But you are to be an extraordinary man. And she said, if a snail can leave a trail, so must you. And, and so she set me on a tangent of always cons- consistently seeking to improve myself. Yes. And uh, she's one of those people who looked at me and saw in me even what I didn't see myself, a leader, um, an adventurer. And yes, speaking of adventure, she has been my number one fan in the all the adventures and misadventures, which have been many, but yes, her resilience, her character, her her desire for leadership and excellence, and, and above all, she was my first Sunday school teacher. So my mother has a special place in my life. Uh, but besides that, the other leaders that I look up to are people like, I'll say, Winston Churchill, specifically for one thing, and that is resilience. I've come to learn that in life, especially in life of an entrepreneur, um, like you said, I've started so many things, and and also I have crushed and lost so many things. And over the years, the one thing that I've learned, the most important character trait for any successful leader or um, entrepreneur is resilience. And that is something I I learned from Churchill and and from Abraham Lincoln, because if you follow the story of Abraham Lincoln, this was someone who consistently wanted to be a leader, but consistently failed so many times. So many attempts to the president failed, so many times to start businesses failed, but he knew within him that he was a leader waiting to happen. So that's, that resilient spirit for me is something that speaks to me. I, I, I recently was talking about something I noticed that on my balcony at home, I noticed during the lockdown that there was this plant that was growing up on the balcony, the tile. Yeah. And I was asking, what plant is this? It turned out to be a tomato. Mm. So I said, okay, this is unusual. A tomato growing in the concrete on the tiles of my balcony. Most than likely. So I said, you know what, let me let it be. I will not weed it, I will not pull it out. Let me let it be. And to, to form, as it rained, as it shined, it, it, it flowered. I saw the tomato fruit, and guess what? I harvested the tomato. And then I left, I left it there, and as I speak, it's going the second round. Wow. That, for me, is resilient. When a tomato can grow on a balcony of concrete and tiles, that is resilient. Anyone who represents that spirit, currently, I think the person is Elon Musk for me. Yeah. I personally yeah. do not think it's necessary for us to try and go to Mars, but the fact that there's someone who's consistently saying, yes. well, let's go to Mars, we need to go to Mars. Well, he's not the only one. Uh, he's got, uh, I think, two other competitors. But again, that's just. I mean, by the way, he has a very strong plan to, you know, conquer and set up a colony. But again, you see, when you when you when you think about that, and uh, you, I, I, I'm a student of the Word of God, and uh, in the Bible, I think it's in Genesis chapter 11, somewhere, when the people when the people of that time decided to build a tower rather to go to the yes, I want you to understand what he said. He said to me, I like to make this joke and say this is the one time that 
human beings threatened God. Like <laughs> oh, one time they threatened God. Yes. As in God was then on this throne, I was like, these guys are building a tower. What? What are they doing? Yeah. Like, no, let's go down there just in case. One day we are here and we see people popping up in, in, in heaven. Like, let's go down and see what they are doing. Yeah. And when the Bible says on the way down, it said that, ah, do these people not speak one language? Now this thing that they have started, nothing can stop them. Nothing can stop the human being when he has set his mind to do something. And then he went on to say, and this is just the beginning. They will do so so I like to say that if the if building of a tower of Babel was the problem, then God could have caused an earthquake and the building would have But I want you to know that when God was seeing the people building a tower of Babel, wanting to make a name for themselves and reach heaven, God had already seen them on the moon. God had already seen them on Mars. So the problem was not building a tower of Babel. The problem was God wanted them to feel the earth, so he wanted to be in one place. And what he did was simply change their languages. And that says something about agreement. And, 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 and that when you are pursuing success, you have to be single-minded and single-languaged. Like you have one mind and you have one speech. How can two organize their that's a very interesting you, you know you've talked about quite a number of things right in there you talked about Mars you've talked about you know you've read the Bible and uh, the Tower of Babel uh, and I'm sure our viewers are just wondering what here, like, well, what's going on here you know uh, but let's let's fill it down a little bit now like we we talked about you pointed out that uh, you are in fact a serial entrepreneur yeah um, so you've started a number of ventures, uh, some of them have failed, some of them are, you know, up and running, uh, and just like to hear about so that whole experience from start to where you're at and what you're doing right now and what's making what you're doing, what you know, standing out, why, why has it stood the test of time, why is it growing, why is it going in the direction that it is going. Still do to wake up every morning and you still have kids without you know relenting. So basically, you just walk us through that process or that journey up until now. Okay, so my training at school was entrepreneurship and business management. But my predisposition in life has been to look for problems to solve. Yes. And like I said earlier, if I can improve something, I will not sit down and I did not criticize what I can't improve. So that entrepreneurial spirit has led me on a couple of ventures and a couple of ventures. But to come to where we are, I have to take you back to 2016. In 2016, I lost uh, my business, I lost uh, a lot, I lost everything. And I came to this place where I called, you know, uh, rock bottom. And I remember, in that year of 2016, so I traveled to Fort Porter to visit my grandmother. And while I was there, I had a conversation with uh, a minister who had come to go to our home. And a minister, you mean a minister of the gospel? No, or? a cabinet yeah. minister who came to go to our home. And so when he came to, well, they introduced me to him, said, So this is the solution. This is the one who got married. And I told him, I think there is so much more to be known for than just my. You 
will not be for so much more. And then I asked myself, so after that, I asked myself, so am I going to have to be long for? So I remember 29th of December 2016, I sat down with my grandmother's garden and I decided that I think I was going to pursue agribusiness as a problem and a sector to, to get into. Yes. And so since 2016, so I, I now went across the country, I began traveling north, east, west, south, looking for problems to solve, to solve specifically within the agricultural sector. And I found three specific things. I found one, something to do with post-harvest handling. That a lot of the produce that we we have as, as, as Uganda gets lost in between the garden and the market. So I said, okay, fine, that is something we are going to solve. And, and we, we began working on setting up a system and a network of stores to store grain. And we started in a bin. We have one in the in, in ginger as well, so we grow sorghum for the brewery to make beer. Yeah. But using the land of these people, showing them how to how to produce and to preserve their harvest. And the second thing that I found was education, still within the agricultural sector. Yeah. That there is a lot of um, should I call it misinformation? I won't use the word ignorance, but people do not know enough. Yes. People do not know enough about how to mechanize, about how to make agriculture more effective. Yes. So I said, okay, fine. So this is another this is another sector that we are going to delve into to begin skilling and training young people to make agriculture and agribusiness more fruitful. Yes. And then the third thing still around around agriculture and agribusiness was energy. Mm. So in a like renewable energy? Basically or? energy that uh, okay. the energy to produce and in this I mean electricity. Yes. And so the specific the specific thing we decided to tackle was renewable energy. Because I have been working with uh, a friend from Andulis Energy and what we have been learning is how to turn agricultural waste into electricity so that there can be more light time for people to do things for families to yes. spend together for children to, to learn read and read yeah. so those three things agriculture education and energy for me are the things that come together to make helen's garden which is the venture that i started that really really work and the first product that has come out of this and that is holding it all together is honey because I discovered that the bee is the smallest, biggest deal. I don't know if that's smallest, biggest deal. As in, it is the biggest deal, and it is the smallest. Yes, yes. Without bees, we have no food. Without bees, we have no life. Mm. So it's that important. Yes, 35% of the food that we eat depends specifically on insect pollination and mostly on bees. And one of the things that happens in the world, if you remember last year during the Australian wildfires and the wildfires which are across the globe, you'll see animals running, you'll see animals dying. But you know what? You'll never see, you'll never see the big crew. Where is it? No one cares. No one sees it. And yet, it is the one that is making sure that you have food. It's the one that is making sure that you have food. So when I say that the bee is the smallest, biggest deal, this is what I mean. So in, in, in my discovery, 
of, of agriculture. So we began looking at the trees. And through looking at the trees, we are now planting trees. And our model is such that we are working with young people. When we say uh, trees and bees means business. Trees and bees means business. Wow. So basically what almost, we are doing, almost like a tank business. Exactly. Right? So what we are doing is we are hitting young people and we are empowering them with skills in agriculture and beekeeping and agroforestry so that the, the highways that we give them to support them so that they can increase our supply chain for honey. In the process, they are building an ecosystem where there, is, there are trees, which you understand how important it is for climate change. So when I tell you that the bees are the smallest, the biggest, you understand that it is like you. Without trees, there are no bees, and without bees, there is no food. So you can see the cycle. Uh, if you're out there and you've been uh, dealing in charcoal, we're not really against you. We're against tree cutting. And I think sure. they're options. They're yes. options. And, and I think that's where the renewable energy comes yes. in. Uh, so, so we're making briquettes. Yes. Well, for example, when when you have uh, taken your matok and peeled it, yes. there is something that can be done with those that with those fields that can turn them into charcoal briquettes. When you have harvested your, your, your maize, you harvested your, your, your sorghum, you harvested your rice, there is something that can be done with that. Yes. That can be turned into charcoal briquettes. So nothing should go to waste and by all means, no tree should be cut because you need to cook it. I tell people that anyone who is cooking on charcoal is like a man who uses his acid wood doesn't make sense when you're cooking on your AC. What is our AC? It is our forests. The AC of the universe are the forests. So when we cut them down just to cook food, it's not a product. Guys, there are better ways to do this. Yes. So that is why we're here. I think that, 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 that makes so much sense. Um, I'll be very honest with you that you just educated me on the B and the importance of the B that little tiny is. Do you have a vegan currency in Yeah. Let's bring out vegan currency. I want to educate you more. Mm. And, and I'm saying this because I'm, I'm looking for more people that I can get interested in, in, in beekeeping. Not just for the money that comes from the honey, yes. but from the impact that we can have on our environment. Yes. yes. So the thing that really caught me is uh, when I started uh, studying about apiary, is I noticed that when you look at the Ugandan currency, all Ugandan currency, yes. on the logo of the Bank of Uganda, at the very apex of it, can you see that? Yes, right. There. What is that? It's a big. So every Ugandan currency that you have has a bee on it. That's where the money is. The man, the bees on the money, and the money is on the bee. That, that's very interesting. So, um, so Brian, you, uh, Mr. Watawa. Yes. Uh, that used to be my name, by the way. To get into that, we'll have to talk about decolonization. I don't think one. No, that's the one we want to get into today. Um, so we talked about the importance of the bee um, and how it actually ends up affecting you know our very uh, core life okay uh, but now i'd like to talk about the business side of things right you you started helen's garden um that's apiary right basically as so a business whereby apiary is our premium product yes so let's talk about that side and how um, 
how how you've been able to build that chain, that value chain, stay in it, uh, make products or produce products around it uh, that have sustained it up until now. I think the the thing that has been very very crucial to uh, to us as a business is what I call linkages. One of the things that God has blessed me with is being able to make connections, to connect things, and also to connect with people. So for us to, to grow this business, started with just honey, because we were looking for something that we could commoditize, and uh, what's the other word? Um, commercialize. And commercialize. Commoditize and commercialize, and have something that can be put in inventory. Because as a teacher and as, as a coach, I realized that I would need a product that can get off the shelf and be turned into cash. And so that is how we got into it. And one of the things that we had to learn from the onset was the importance of product development and branding. Mm-hmm. So it helped that I spent over 10 years in advertising. So we put all the time into developing a unique brand. And when the thing that that caught us is we had to have a mission mm-hmm. because you see to start a business is easy I think yes. to sustain a business is a different story altogether. But what sustains a business is the strength of the why mm-hmm. of that business. If your why is not strong enough, then your business might not be as resilient or stand as strong as you might want. Yes, you might make some money, you might even become wealthy, but the thing of it being able to outlast you is something that comes into question. So our why was very clear. And our why is captured in our in our our tagline, food to heal. Food to heal here represents a business model where we are investing in the improvement of the food conversation from the garden to the all the while improving the livelihoods of the farmers we work with, yes. the communities we are working with, and yes. the environment around us. So that is our why. Our why is a better way to grow food, a better way to serve food, and a better way generally to go about a business. So once we, once that why was clear, and then we had these products that we had developed, then we just had to make the linkages to take us to the next. And right now we are in a process called standardization. Now standardization, I'll say, speaks to the business practice of being what's that word of, of being compliant. Mm. Okay, yeah, with the tax system, yes, uh, business environment, with uh, the registration services bureau. So you've done so you're in that place. Yes, right we're now. in that process because I've come to discover that. If your, if your vision does not come to a place where it outgrows you and requires you to have other people involved, then you might not be running a business. You might be selling a product, but you may be not running a business. So that is where we are right now. And, and the conversations we are having currently is uh, can you export to us one ton of honey to, to the US, one ton of honey to Dubai, one ton of honey to, to the UAE. Now, how do you come to a place where that is a conversation that is happening? Standardization. Yeah, compliance. Because with standardization and compliance, then we, we learned systems. 
Once we learned systems, it was a hard thing that when you get money, you don't take it to the restaurant, you yes. know, just because you're hungry, you just put it in the bank. Yeah. And, and, and then you do not, then, then the, the thing about quality, because I, I tell people that your brand is your visual presentation yes. of yes. your business yes. vision. And that is not something to play around with. That's not something to toy around with. So quality has been crucial because the promise that we are making with food to eat, if it does not get represented in the products that we put out there, then we will not get reviews. Yes. So that, 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 brings, that brings me to the next thing that we have learned. Uh, to be able to sustain is reviews. I say to people that it doesn't matter how much money you have put in the business. It could be a hundred, a hundred dollars, a hundred million shillings. But you know who's going to give you that? Who's going to give you back that money? It's your customer, customer who gives it back to you. One shilling at a time, one dollar at a time. So that the more satisfied that customer is, the more they will return. So these are lessons that we've been learning, making sure that we treat our customers very, very uh, right, very faithfully. Uh, dealing with any issues that they might have. Yes. Because we are, we are exporting honey to, to the US, we're exporting honey to, to Dubai. And sometimes people ask questions and say, hey, I found this in the honey, or what does that mean? And you have to tell them that that little bit after test is good for when you have coffee. Yes. So customer satisfaction yes. and customer education yes. have been happening at the same time. That's beautiful. Uh, and that, that customer education is quite. Uh, so that you know, first of all, we know what they are buying, why they are buying it, and the benefits of having. And, and, and you know, ultimately, I think that the greatest blessing I've, I've, I've achieved in, in business and in being an entrepreneur is that, in as much as I'm a teacher, this space called learning. Thank you. You're constantly. Learning. Because if you don't, if you stop learning, you stop growing. If you stop growing, you start dying. So yeah. if you're going to remain relevant, you have to be in a space where, where you learn. You are learning. Yes. And I'm excited about my learning. My next learning curve. I'm going to start uh, trading in a few weeks in uh, fruit drying and preservation. Mm. Now that's going to definitely going to be exciting. Learning. So, for any entrepreneur out there who feels like they know it all, they know a lot, and so they have sealed their mind, they do not want to go back to school, they do not want to read a book. My friend, you are lying to yourself. You have. You are lying to yourself. You have. You have to open your mind and your spirit to be willing to learn. Yeah. Speaking of uh, reading a book, uh-huh. I, I also am aware that you are an author. Yes. Uh, yes. Yes. And you have outed. Uh, a book, I, I believe, your first edition. Yes, the first edition. What's the title? Education is not the key. Uh-huh. Oh, my, 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 my. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a very, it's a very controversial title. Yes. I mean, even just listening to it, I'm like, wait, you know, everyone everywhere says, pedos, that education is the key to success. Um, and, and perhaps, perhaps when you say education, you know, is education different from learning? Because you know, we just said that uh, as an entrepreneur, you have to stay in that place of learning. And now you've written a book that says education is not key. So, what's the difference between education and learning? So, I'll say it in two ways. One, not everyone educated is learning. Mm-hmm. 
Awasu Mabanja Wai Dabaki. Not everyone has gone to class as that. So you see, I see that learning is supposed to be the outcome of education. Meaning, education does not happen at a specific location and in a specific time. For anyone who has the mentality of learning, education is like So, okay. So now that you that you've explained that, what was the the motivation behind that title? So I. I, the idea to write this book came in 2010, when I, 2010, 2009, when I graduated from, from university. Mm. And I realized that, okay, here I, I was, I'd gone to school, I'd gotten the degree, gotten the t-shirts and all that. But then I came out and I found that while I was on the street, the, the real things that I needed for success, no one had stood on a blackboard and said the solution this is how you become successful but i've gone to school but i have not been told the real gist of what builds success and then i had a sister was coming to university and i said you know what let me write let me write a book and put the lessons that i did not learn in school but i believe i'm crucial for success that's why the, the, the full title Yes, the full title of the book is Education is Not the Key, the Seven Success Lessons School Won't Teach You. Because I'm not saying don't go to school. No, I'm saying go to school but learn more than you're told. Because I was listening yesterday to a gentleman called David Rubenstein, uh, the founder of Carly Group. And one of the things he said that, that really spoke to me was about leadership and learning. And he said the most unfortunate thing is that most the moment they leave university, yes, it's like the they never stops. read another book in their lives. And then he also said something interesting. When people are graduating from university, they are given what is called a commencement speech. Mm. So you think about the fact that this is a commencement speech happening at the end of the course. It should tell you something that it's just the beginning. Yeah, you're just stepping into <laughs> you get you're, you're at the starting point. Yeah. So, yeah. so so that is that is my attitude and my approach. So yes. those, I decided let me put these seven principles into a book and put it out there. And yeah. just to be clear, I'm not saying not go to school if you have a chance. I'm saying there is more to school than the questions that you ask. If you have questions of your own. Then you will always be alive. That is what I'm saying. Okay, that's that's very interesting. Uh, well, uh, Mr. Matava, the solution. I hope you have another question because I I, I still have answers. Yes, uh, definitely. Uh -huh. There's definitely some other questions. Um, but I just wanted us to uh, to to process what we've just discussed in terms of. Uh, because we came all the way from Helen's garden, uh, right into you writing a book and learning never ending. Um, and now we have the seven keys to success. Um, would you be willing to share at least one of those keys to success, the most outstanding for you uh, on this show? And then we can encourage our viewers to go and find the book 
and buy this book. It will be interesting, but um, in the interest of variability, okay, the first one, again, was a lesson I learned from my mom. She said to me in the time before I joined the university, the course I'd applied for, after waiting for so long, is not what I got. And the course that I got turned out to be entrepreneurship and business management. I wanted to study mass communication. And this is what she told me, my son, if you do not get what you want, want what you get. Be adaptable. Now, isn't it interesting that only about 10 to 15% of the university applicants get their first choice course? So someone wants to be a doctor, ends up being given a course in biomedical lab technology. And what happens with people's psyche is that they feel like they failed. Yes, yes. So you have 85% of students living in an unadjusted setting because they, their current setting and the dreams that you brought them to where they were. But the Buddha says something very interesting. He says that the man who chooses to live by the river must make friends with a crocodile. It speaks to adaptability. That if you make friends with a crocodile, then you can live by the river. Just because the course you've been given is not what you want does not mean that there is nothing in you to make most of what you have been given. And so this this speaks to not just school, but it's a general rule for life, being adaptable, being able to to make the most of any situation, wherever you are, wherever life puts you. If somebody says, when they give you lemons, you make lemonade. Make lemonade and add some honey to it. This would be the perfect application. That's the perfect application. Right. Adaptability, because you will not always get what you want, but you can always make the most what you have and eventually use it to get closer to what you want to yeah. So that is the first lesson from this book, be adaptable. Yeah. So the second lesson, I feel that is very crucial and even for me right now, something that is guiding my, my, my faces and the way that I'm thinking, develop a skill. Because you see, just because you've gone to school and you've gotten a qualification does that's not mean that you have a That's true, that's true. Now, if COVID-19 has taught us anything, it's that the people with us tangible skill amounts are going to be more successful. That's, that's why during the lockdown, people all of a sudden began baking, began speaking, began yeah. doing things with their hands because all of a sudden, what they thought they knew was not applicable okay. anymore. The jobs that they thought they had, they Just discovered actually to survive. Yes. Yeah. So we, we are in what I call the, the, the grand reset. And what I call the grand reset, where all the knowledge that we have acquired up to this time, if it cannot be turned into a skill, and that skill to be distributable and to be multipliable, then you are come back to you with a return. Exactly. Then you're not being So that is why personally I have now gone out to learn more about teaching. To learn more about thinking, like that is a skill I can yes. have. And, and now I'm learning about uh, drying food because in Africa we have so much food. Actually, a very funny story in, in 2018, I, uh, 2019 actually, I was somewhere in Eastern Uganda mm-hmm. and 
I was taking an evening walk and I was walking by this mango tree. And at the bottom of this mango tree, there was a cow that was tied. And in about five to seven seconds of walking past this mango tree, about four mangoes fell of their own. Like I'm walking one step, second step, and the sad thing was, this, this cow which was tied at the mango tree, at the bottom of the mango tree, was trying so hard to reach all of them. The fallen fruits, and it could not. And I realized, wait, how much fruit is wasted in Africa? Because no one knows how to use that. And I have since then been on a pursuit to learn how to preserve fruit and make it available to have that, that fruit supplement and that, that uh, food energy yes. preserved for other people. So that is something I'm saying. I, I am on this journey of developing skill. And so when you think about skill, many people think that they're not talented because they'll consider they will compare themselves and say, ah, the solution can talk well. Ah, yes. Me, what talent do I have? Talent you know, the solution can, since right now I'm writing music, it's, it's a gift that I have, so I'm writing music. But if I compare my musical prowess to radio, of course, it's, uh, I, I will not feel... Probably, you, may, talent. You, you may even be discouraged. Yes. Uh, but what I believe talent. is that everyone on earth has been blessed with that that makes them relevant to their time. There is no one that God is sending into this world to be a mucha, to be there to just live off people. Everyone that has been sent on this world has been gifted with something to offer. And I say that we were created not for comfort but for contribution. Yes. So what skill do you have to contribute to the conversations of life? Those are the two lessons that I can really say this is yeah, and I'm really honestly, uh, that that part on contribution is, I think, such a integral part of life. Uh, and I think we all want to feel relevant, hard, um, and uh, useful, uh, which we are, which we are. So if you're out there and you know you're listening to this conversation, I'd like to encourage you, uh, first of all, grab uh, Mr. Wataba's book. Yes, yes. Reach out to me, me on Gonzi. Yeah. The solution on Facebook. I will get you a copy of the book. Exactly. It's not for free. How much is it? It's ten dollars. So for just ten dollars, you have this very uh, this book that will challenge you to think different and step out into your God-given abilities and do some exciting things, right? Uh, well, sorry, I keep forgetting that you're decolonized, uh, which we will discuss on another day. <laughs> discuss I get you. Yes, one of these days we'll have uh, a part. Uh, I think we'll have another segment where we can actually uh, share these things on identity. But for now, I'd like to thank you so much for coming through. Thank you for having me. And uh, I don't know, maybe we just say one last word uh, to the, our viewers. Uh, just now. What do you have in your hands? I have been contemplating this that every one of us has been given something in your hands. And when I think about it, that there is 
power in your hands there is potential with what you have and all you have to do is to submit what you have in your hands to the growing hands of time that in the passing of time and in the application of yourself to distribute and multiply what you have you grow yourself you grow others and what more is there to do in life than to multiply the grace and the gift that is in you for the good of others my name is Ngonzi, the solution of time. It's always a blessing to come to you to bring you to a place of growth in all things on all sides. Right, thank you so much, Mr. Wataba. Guys, don't forget to subscribe. BM Live TV uh, right there on YouTube and at BM Live TV on Facebook and at BM Live TV one word on Twitter. We'll see. Uh, looking forward to our next episode and keep it locked. God bless you.